Today on Mission Live, we have Mr. Jeff Seagraves in here having a discussion about all the changes that have gone on in his life, all the good things that are happening. He is a current Hope House resident, uh, which is one of our transitional houses, and we're just excited to hear his story of, um, of just struggle to redemption, and I'd love to hear from him today. Today, we are also got some news articles about a man, a homeless man, suing a city-run camp. Uh, it's going to be interesting. We'll hear from Jennifer McDaniels. We'll hear uh, from a news, uh, or excuse me, from our book review, all that stuff and more on Mission Live. Let's roll. We're going to do just a little different bumper, have some fun with it today, get our groove on. It's time for news articles. So uh, while most of the news articles that we have shared come from kind of a liberal bias, uh, today's talk of the town is really going to come from one that's coming from the, uh, strongly from the other side of the political framework. So if you're prone to need a safe space, the following may be troubling. However, uh, there really is no neutral ground in, journal, in journalism. So let's keep our bias detectors on as we go. I'm going to read some good sections of this uh, article coming from the Western Journal. So the, the headline is, California City sued homeless, sued homeless man claiming underpass encampment is too loud. And it's by Mr. Joe Sanders, who's the, uh, the journalist there for the Western Journal. This came out last week. Uh, it reads like this. It says, with this kind of gumption, you'd think he'd have gotten further in life than living under a bridge. A homeless man in uber-wealthy Marin County, California, is suing the city of San Rafael because a city-run encampment is too noisy for his liking or his health. And he says that he has the numbers to prove it. The country has come to expect the irrational when it comes to the Golden State, governed as it is by an unconstrained socialist democratic governor backed by democratic supermajorities in both the houses of state of the state legislature. I'm going to pause the article there just for a second and just say, again, hear the framing, okay? Uh, If you want people to listen to you, sometimes it's good not to step on their toes or kick them in the shins while you're having a conversation. So uh, while this may get a lot of rah-rah from the right, um, and there is some good points in it, uh, just watch for the, the language and the tone, okay? Anyways, let's continue. He says, it's a prime destination for illegal aliens moving in and taxpayers moving out. Its schools have a national reputation for focusing on indoctrination over education, and it's the home of Hollywood, a city that is rivaled only by Washington for arrogant airheads spouting progressive pieties. But, and again, there we go, name-calling and framing, probably not the best thing to do uh, to make your point in the story. However, the story is pretty interesting. Let's continue. But even in California, the story of 49-year-old James Hellard stands out. According to the Marin County Independent Journal, Hellard is a resident of a city-sanctioned homeless camp established by the California Department of Transportation that boasts security, restrooms, hand-washing stations, garbage disposal, 
regular service referrals, and other amenities. It is also, unfortunately for its residents, beneath Highway 101 overpass, which means traffic is overheard fairly often. And that's too much noise for Hellard to bear. According to the Independent Journal, Hellard's lawsuit claims that a sound meter on his cell phone shows traffic noise at 90 decibels above the levels established by the World Health Organization for safety and tied with the level for which the U.S. Occupational Safety and Health Administration recommends ear protection for Americans on the job. With the support of his wife, Dawn, he is suing to improve the lives of his fellow camp dwellers. According to KGO-TV, most of them don't want to step out and have themselves be known. But at this point, somebody's got to do it, Hellard told the station. I've got ringing in my ears. We have coughs. We have just these slowly manifesting health problems that we're not quite sure where it's going to go to five years from now. He said, getting into the position of homelessness is a very easy thing to do, Heller told the station, and it's a paramount, almost impossible thing to get out of. Oh, and according to the Independent Journal, the lawsuit also seeks monetary relief for physical and emotional damages and property loss as well as the ability to camp elsewhere without risk of having his belongings confiscated. So there's that. Now, to be fair, living under an overpass can't be easy, even when it's publicly provided security, restrooms, washing stations, and garbage disposal. And it sure can't be easy doing it in Marin County, just north of the Golden State, the Golden Gate Bridge from San Francisco. A December article in Forbes listed Marin as one of the top 20 wealthiest counties in the country. So being homeless there not only means being poor, it means being surrounded by wealth beyond most Americans' dreams. So we're going to go ahead and skip a large section of the article. We'll put a link to it in the um, in the notes at the, at the end of the show. You're welcome to read it for yourself. Uh, we're just going to go ahead and pick up this last little bit here. It says, according to the Independent Journal, San Rafael Police Lieutenant Dan Fink said that the city has spent $346,852 on the camp. The state has agreed to grant $522,000 to the city to help with the camp expenses, the newspaper reported, and Marin County is kicking in $166,000 to a matching fund program that was supposed to cover 24-hour security and a caseworker, the paper reported. That adds up to more than $1 million in public money for a camp under a bridge with a population of 31 people, according to the Independent Journal. In a way, it's no wonder, it's no wonder Hellard isn't happy. For that kind of money, they should be doing a lot better than a highway overpass. And again, the article's by Joe Sanders in the Western Journal. There's a couple of questions that I want you to think about. What is freedom? What does it mean to be free, to make whatever choice you'd like, and, I mean, if, if it means to be free to make whatever choice you'd like, then why is our culture bent on relieving individuals 
from the consequences of those choices. I mean, are we going to honor the choices and all that comes with it? Or do we just want to have them have an experience? Is that, is that really what we're looking for? I, I don't know. And if society decides that communities must pay for those who contribute nothing to the community, well, then not only is his case valid, but uh, I think we're going to have to expect to see more cases like this increase as time goes on. You and I have to vote in ways that empower personal responsibility for one's own life. This may allow a a person to choose homelessness, but it makes them responsible for all of the consequences of that choice. And that really is kind of the, the angle. I don't think homelessness was ever meant to be comfortable. The ground is meant to be hard, and it's meant to be hard, I think, by God's design to drive us to not sleep on it forever. Winters are meant to be cold, uh, to drive us to not want to be out in them, out in the winter all the time, but to go inside, to build shelter, to come in and move in. So these are the consequences that actually affect change and progress in our positive progress in our lives. Anyways, that's our news from the Western Journal. So next we have got a, uh, a video uh, from Jennifer McDaniels. Now, Jennifer is a current Faith House, uh, Transitional House program person. She has been uh, a resident of the mission, as you'll see, for some time. And uh, she is right now um, getting close to ready to by her own place, and uh, her and and uh, another another roomie from Faith House. So, anyways, uh, it's an exciting little testimony, and uh, let's give that a look before we get to Jeff Seagraves. Living in my car was rough. You don't sleep. You don't sleep at night. You you doze off and wake up for every little noise because you don't know who's around you. You don't know even if at the even at the rest area they get rough. You can hear people because you're not the only homeless person living there. I was, my health was failing, my legs were so swollen I could barely move around. So you can get away with that for only a certain amount of time. I'm Jennifer and I'm a former Mission resident and now two weeks at the Faith House this Friday. Well, I've been homeless a little bit here and there in California and here, but the first time I became seriously homeless was in Alabama when we lost our place because of a tornado. Then I said, well, let's go to Oregon because when we were here before, it was easy. We did not know there was a housing shortage here. We did not do our research, so I suggest do research before you up and move anywhere. So that was our mistake. So when we came here, my sister and her kids checked into the mission and we stayed with the dogs in the car for about eight, nine months through the summer and winter. Then I said we couldn't do it anymore, and we came to the mission. That was the first time, and I was here for eight months, and I programmed out into housing, and by bad decisions, I lost my place and was homeless again in my car. I let people come and stay that I shouldn't have. And I felt, for me, my bad choices were because I want to help people, so my friends and my family are homeless, so I wanted them to come, but I didn't let them live, but they came every day, stayed a long time during the day, and the landlord said they can only stay so many hours and not every day. So he kindly asked us to vacate the premises 
and we kindly did. So that's a bad choice. Listen to your landlord. Eight months, we lived again in the vehicles for eight months. And then that's when my health was failing badly. My legs were so swollen I could barely move around because being homeless is tough. You don't get sleep, you don't get the proper medical, you don't go to the doctor because you're not properly showered and stuff. That's just, so when I came here, that's what made us come here because I was not, my health was so bad when I came the second time. So the things I did this time differently, I saved money better. I, um, I went to chapel and I really got into it. So I learned a different, different way that God loves us and benefits us and, and is gracious with us. And I didn't have that before. Coming into the mission the first time, I was running away from God. And now I'm running toward God. And that's what I think this time is different, that I have a love for God. And that I see the, his love for me. So when I came in, they made me get connected back with my primary health. I actually met with a lady named Linda Alexander who does health with Social Security. And I'm on, so I'm on disability, but I wasn't getting the full benefits. So she called, helped me with that. Anything that you need to get your health and your mind right, they help you with that. Faith House is the next phase from the mission when all you're doing is really waiting for housing and you have certain criteria you have to meet. I've saved my money, I'm back on track with the health. But when I heard about Faith House and us being able to transition over there, Shauna wanted me to, but, wanted me to, but I resisted because I resist change. And that's just in my nature. Maybe it's everybody's nature. So I didn't want to go when they first started Faith House. So I got my housing, I have my HUD voucher, and I'm looking, but the housing market is not good here. So my time is ticking. She told me she thinks it would be a really good fit for me to go to Faith House where I'll have more time to, to look, where I'll have more time to myself. So she said to go there, so she made me go there. And I'm grateful for, the, for, her, to, for her to have pushed me out the nest so to speak, like the bird that doesn't want to fly and just wants to stay in the nest and stay comfortable. But we have to get out of our comfort zone to keep growing. So it's been great. I love it over there. Everybody says I'm different. I'm more smiling. I'm more happier. I'm more shiny. So I don't know. So that's what, for me, it's been great. I was looking for a vehicle, and Shana was helping me look, and I found one I was going to buy, and she told me to wait. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait. And then her mom, we call her Mimo, came well they called me I was sitting over here in this desk because I was waiting to do an intake and she called and told me she was going to donate the car to me and I'm like what I literally started crying I feel like it was a blessing it was a blessing that I did never expect for somebody to be so loving and so kind to just give something like that The license plate says saving grace. God's gracious to us. God gives us grace on everything and mercy and stuff. And when, we, when, we're, when we're least expecting it, he shows up in the most miraculous ways. Well, we are in with Mr. Jeff Seagraves. Uh, Jeff you have been, you have become, uh, you know, somebody I, I just am amazed at seeing the, the transition and the, the time that you have gone here, the, the traction that, that the Lord has gotten in your life, uh, the distance you have come. Tell everybody, first of all, 
how long have you been at the mission or associated with the mission since you've come here? You're right now in our Hope House program. How long, how long have you been with us? A um, little about two years. Yeah, yeah. And um, maybe, maybe kind of help me set the scene here. Where do you come from? I mean, how did you, how did you find yourself needing a gospel rescue mission? Well, I'm originally from California, and I was raised in an upper-middle-class house, loving parents. I had a lot of behavioral issues. I was a hyperactive ADHD kid, and so I was always doing my own thing, and they're trying to rein me in. And uh, I had a low self-esteem. I didn't know where to fit in or how to fit in, and, and I found cigarettes and alcohol could get me into that older crowd. And it started way back in school. And about high school age, I just wandered away from a faith I was raised in and thought, you know what, I could do this on my own. I could do this any way I want to. And so a 20-plus year addiction to methamphetamines and alcohol and pornography and immoral behavior just led me to emptiness and, and sorrow. And I, I remember being in addiction. I used to live up on the mountain behind Sop Q over on Harbeck in a tent. Wow. And for a couple of years, and it was just all about feed the addiction. You know, addiction will rob you of your agency. You no longer have the ability to choose right from wrong. It's feed the addiction. Wow. That, wow. At all costs. Yeah. It's feed the addiction. And so that lifestyle eventually landed me in and out of jail, lots of contact with the police. And eventually I found a three-year prison sentence. Wow. And, you know, I've been praying for years how to... I need help. I don't know how to stop. I'm chemically dependent at this point. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I just didn't know where to go or where to turn. And and I was praying for help, but I wasn't doing my part, you know. So those prayers went nowhere. But yeah. when I landed in Josephine County Jail here, I remember this thought going through my mind, which was odd to me, and I remember thinking, This is the answer to your prayer. What will you do with it? Well, I don't think in a third party way. So Okay, okay. Uh, God spoke to me through that thought. So, so you had so you're praying about it and you hear some kind of a supernatural, you know, a thought comes into your head that you're you're going that was an unusual thought, right? Right. Wow. And now it wasn't an audible voice or anything like that, no. but you knew at that point. Yeah, it was an odd way to talk to yourself in your head. What will you do with it? Oh, wow. Wow. And I kind of made a commitment at that point. You know, I had a brave and courageous young woman come to visit me while I was there. And my daughter of 18 years okay. had recently gotten pulled over in town and they asked her, are you Jeff Seagraves' daughter? And she was embarrassed and ashamed. And she came down to the jail to tell me that I'm changing my name, dad. I, I don't want to be associated with you anymore. Oh. And I knew I had hit my low. You know, I made a covenant with my father in heaven at that moment to not be this guy anymore. I can't be this guy anymore. Yeah. And that's where a scripture study and a and a commitment to change yeah. began. You know, as my my mind began to clear up from the chemicals and and I began to want change and I had that contrite spirit. You know, I, I truly am sorry. But I just didn't know how to change. I didn't know where to change. And so sure. this was a perfect opportunity to change. So you, I mean, you spent a lot of years getting to this moment, you know. So, so when you say, you know, you didn't know how to change, I mean, this is, you know, 
what you really knew how to do was get yourself into prison and get yourself into the spot that you were in. You know, it really is a life change to to have somebody go, you know, to to go from one spot to the next. I mean, this takes more than just your issue wasn't just you're not trying hard enough. This was this was going to take a whole host of things that had to change in your life, right? Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I was looking at this three-year set, and I'm like, how do I disassociate from the criminal element in the criminal element? And I just chose religious services. I took every religious service they had. I studied the Kabbalah, the, uh, the Torah. The I just stuffed myself with the Lord and, okay. and researching. And the more I did, the more my understanding grew. Okay. And you know, I took uh, some public speaking. I okay. went to Toastmasters while I was there. Nice. It's kind of a big reason this is easier than it seems like it should be. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then this is a way to share where I've been and where I've come. I can give glory back to God because right. through the gospel of Jesus Christ, I was able to get the hope and the courage and the strength to continue this. Yeah. You know, and that, that three-year set was somewhat easy. I knew, you know, I could get drugs in there if I wanted to. Sure. But that commitment was always there. And I knew that when I was released, the real struggle would begin. And that's where the system failed me. You know, I had changed everything about me. I had done all the programs. I even did a, a six-month rehab before uh-huh. I left at the uh, rehab center there in, in Powder River. And I knew that release was going to be something strong. The system failed me by releasing me back into the street. There was no trans. I didn't qualify for trans housing. I didn't qualify for any Oxford housing or anything like that. So I was released back to the same town that I grew up in with the clothes on my back in flip flops. Wow. And I was so skeptical to come to the mission because I I've always thought, well, that's where all the junkies go. That's where all the deadbeats go. That's the last place I wanted to go. I knew I had to disassociate with my past if I was going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. And the only people I knew were in addiction. Yeah. And so there was this struggle going back and forth on, well, how am I going to make it out there? And so I came to the mission, and that was the beginning of the exterior change in my life. Right. So you, so when you got to the mission, did you find it full of, uh, of junkies and, and, you know, the people that you had thought that were all here? Quite opposite. I didn't realize this was a program Yeah. and that it took commitment to change in order to succeed here. Yeah. So if you're just coming for a free ride or a meal or a handout, this isn't going to work for you. Right. You need to be committed to change. And I, I would inspire for anybody else out there that's committed to change to come into this place because the mission has given me the stability and the foundation to step up on my own. And it was a rather quick process. And I came January of 2020 and I worked in the kitchen for a couple of months, three or four months. Yeah. And then the COVID hit. Right. So I was looking for a job. You know, I didn't have any. I, didn't, I had $5,000 child support debt, so I couldn't get my driver's license until I started making payments there. Yep. I had that whole life behind me yeah. weighing me down. Yeah. And so I finally got that lifted. Okay. And I made a payment. I got my driver's license reinstated. Okay. And summer came around, and Ken was doing all this stuff out in the garden. And so I brought up my carpentry skills. Yep. And uh, we, we worked on those 
flower beds back there, the garden beds. Yep, yep. And I built a little deck in front of the connexes back there. Yep. And then I met Ted. Right. And Ted was like, hey, we're, we got this transition house we're working over on J Street. Where you, you can come do some carpentry there. Yeah. And I was like, that's, that's cool. And, and I'd only been at the house six months at that time. Yeah, so yeah. I'm just barely beginning to get some stability under me. I got my license. I'm making payments on that child support. Sure. And working on that transition house was just a way to be back doing, working with my hands, doing stuff. And then I met Mr. Mike Quigley. Mm-hmm. And Mike Quigley was kind of the supervisor of that job project manager there yeah yeah. and so we put in new windows and and painted the place and built the fence and just trim work and made it a living environment again yeah and that went on for a couple months and this is how the lord worked in my life because i found out that god has these blessings in store for you when you choose the right thing they're already there you don't really even need to ask for them he's already had this plan established for your happiness and joy right you know, and that wasn't in my life before. Right. Last week, last week, our verse of the day was, our verse of the, of the day for the week was uh, out of Ephesians 2.10. It says that, um, it says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand for us to walk in. Okay, and and so so that he had a plan going on for for us. He had a plan for Jeff Seagraves all along for good things, good work for you to do, and you were beginning to walk in that very thing that that you could see his workmanship in your life, and we began to just see that. I mean, just see the blossoming there as we watched the connection with you and Ted, with you and Mike. Uh, boy, it was it was exciting to see. Is like, boy, this guy is really getting it, man. And and uh, we're just excited to see the heart change and the smile on your face and all of that kind of stuff. So keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. That's okay. I was uh, build, building that house over there to transition home, and and we were wrapping up towards the end because COVID was here. I was trying to apply for framing, rough framing houses. That was something I did in the past. And, okay. And I was kind of skeptical because I'm getting a little older in age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that rough framing can get pretty rough. Yeah. But working at that, that house, and I was wrapping up toward the end, and I'm thinking, what comes next? And this is how God worked in two people's lives at one time. They were doing the, the work down at the Second Chance store because right. all the businesses were closed, and that was a perfect time to do the Second Chance stuff. And I just got to the point where everything was done. The paint job was done. I didn't have any more work to do at the Hope House, and I called Mike Quigley on the phone, and I said, I'm done here. There's nothing more for me. He's all, I want you to come down to Second Chance and, and meet this guy, Jerry. Nice. That very moment that I had finished up at the Hope House, somebody had walked off the job with Jerry and quit. Interesting. That's that's the connection. That was so. Amazing. So we were doing this remodel. We were doing this remodel at our at our second chance thrift store. Obviously, during the closing of, of you know COVID, everything nobody's nobody's moving around, and we're like, let's take advantage of this time, and and do some do some remodeling. We bring in uh, we bring in Jerry and, and his company to to come in and, and help us with some of that remodeling, and it just so happens that he loses a guy. The same day that you're running, you're finishing up your job over at, at Hope House, and you're deciding, you know, we're going to connect you there. 
And boy, talk about timing and a match made in heaven, huh? Yeah, he's yeah. he'd been talking about praying himself to find somebody that was dependable. And yeah, we've been together almost two years now. That's great. And I found out that believers help believers. Yeah, he's, there's truth to that. He's there really picked me up and lifted me up and given me more than I feel like I deserve at times. And we were working a job recently where. I was talking to the homeowner and talking about addiction recovery and how fishing was a big part of what I do now for recreation instead mm-hmm. of just work, work, or my releases to go fishing. Yeah. And there was an opportunity to buy a boat, a fishing boat, a 15-foot aluminum boat. Nice. And, and Jerry ended up buying that and giving it to me. He wow. Said, he said, this is my gift to you. Wow. And, and, you know, that's just humbling to know that other people see what's going on in your life and you've been put in these positions to just grow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, it. you know, when believers, believers get such a uh, funny rap with, uh, you know, in the, in the kind of the secular community, I guess they, you know, they think that, that we're all out just to um, somehow capitalize on, on uh, ministry and stuff. And that's, that's not at all what we're about. What we're about is encouraging change and growth and, and life transformation. And, and, uh, and here is, you know, you're working for a believer that does exactly that, you know, who, who encourages you, who, um, who has nothing else to gain, but just to, nothing to gain from it. I'm going to give him a boat. Why? Because I just think he's doing great and I want him to be encouraged. I mean, how cool is that? It's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so in the, year and a half, you know, I've moved into that transition house. Yeah. I've been able to pay off my my child support debt. Awesome. Uh, last year, they hit me with uh, some fines and court fees that I had back in 2014. They're like, look, he's working. Let's get him for it now. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm coming up on the tail end of a several thousand dollar restitution sure. court fee. Got a brand new truck. Well, it's brand new to me. It's a 2004. I've okay. never had a vehicle that nice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty much brand new to me. I got you. Um, after being in addiction since high school, I didn't have anything. You know, yeah. I've never really been stable. And the mission has allowed me to get up on my own. Yeah. The more I helped me, the more I had support here. Yeah. And so I can't really plug enough what the mission's done in my life. Yeah. What would you say, like, I mean, there's, you know, clearly, you know, we were kind of talking about this before the show. Um, there's, there's, there's somebody out there watching that's, that's going, you know, maybe they've stumbled across this video or, or maybe somebody's sharing it with, some, with them uh, who's, who's sitting there going, you know, oh, you know, it's not worth it, man. I, and to, to go into that mission, they've got all those rules. They've got all that, all that uh, programming stuff. They, they, you know. And and I think a lot of times what they're really most afraid of is just failing again. They're they're afraid of hoping again because if they hope, um, and and then their hope is dashed. I mean, how many times can they bear having that happen to them? You know, it's it's emotionally taxing. It, it's it it weighs on their self esteem and what they think of themselves. Maybe somebody's sitting there watching, going, you know, I don't know if I could if I could do what Jeff did, I mean, what would you say to somebody like that? I mean, you just give it a chance. 
I think that a lot of the people that don't want to come here yeah. is they want to hold on to a little bit of what they're doing. And what little bit that they've been doing is failing. Right. So why not give something else a chance? Try to give something new. Bring something new into your life. And yeah. you could always go back to where you've been. <laughs> That's true. There's man. The nowhere to go will always but be there up. for you. You know, you, you, can, you can always go back to failing, you know, and, and everything. You can always go back to, to I mean... You, anybody can jump back into drug addiction if they want to, you know, or, or, you know, drinking or doing whatever, you know, bad, making whatever bad choices. It takes a lot to, to try and start making some good ones. And, uh, but if you start making good ones consistently over time, what you'll end up with is this just exponential result that'll start to happen because it's just done consistently over time. For me, it was super quick. I mean, within nine months of yep. coming in the doors with flip-flops and the clothes on my back, yep. I have a vehicle, I had money in the bank, yep. I had debts managed, yep. I was able to move into that transition house, mm -hmm. I have a truck, I have $2,000 worth of construction tools that you're, I own. <laughs> you're a hard worker. You are you are contributing to another thriving construction business here in the community you're you're making sure i mean you're you're building the very things that people are wanting which is homes and and uh, you know life and and everything i mean good on you you know this is that's the kind of thing that that you know our city councilors and our our city uh officials need to see is that you know people coming through a gospel rescue mission um, they're not taking from the tax base. In fact, they're paying right back into it. And when we say that that our residents put millions of dollars back into this community, we're not we're not like this isn't uh, hyperbole here. I mean, they're putting millions of dollars back into the community and not taking from the tax base at all. In fact, so you you again you paid off child support, you paid off fines and fees. You know you you. You really have paid your debt to society, and you're working that out as you as you go, and and becoming a contributor to the society. Now you're 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 adding something good back into this community, and Jeff. That's exactly. I'm what, finally an asset to yeah, this community. Well, you are that after yeah. all the years of taking what I wanted and, and doing what I wanted. Hmm. So. Well, that's cool, man. So, um, so we got a few minutes left. Um, you know, let's say we're talking to somebody maybe who, uh, you know, would they're looking for a place to support. Uh, they're looking for a place to support. They they want they know that homelessness is a, is an issue that's increasing and, and and a problem in you know especially out here on the west coast. Um, I mean, what would you say to somebody who's thinking about supporting the Gospel Rescue Mission? I would say that would, the mission could use more support in the area of transitional housing. There's yep. only three beds in my home. Yep. And, and if we could get another transition home started sure. and get more people transitioning into the community, yep. because of the stipulations that you have to get into the transition home, you're yep. already pretty close to getting out on your own. That's right. You, you know, you have to have the money in the bank. You have to have a vehicle. And you have to be already you have stable. Your debt managed and stable, right? That's exactly right. So it's a it's a real wraparound kind of a program, right? Yes. Yeah. And I think more people could get out into that if we had more bed space in that genre. Yeah. No, you're right. The program here is set up for success. Yeah. And to have more area 
of transitioning out into the community, I yeah. think, would really benefit this whole organization as a whole. Yeah, I agree. It would benefit the organization. It would benefit the people that come through our doors. And then know? I can I mean, build some we more. Get a, we get a lot of people that, that yeah, give you some more building projects. <laughs> you know, we get a lot of uh, people stacking up, actually, who, who, um, who have paid down debt, who have you know gotten jobs, paid down debt, m- managed their finances and everything, and they're just looking for what's that next step? They got it. They're they're wanting to get out into a rental. They're wanting to get out into maybe buying their own home. They want to get out and and make that transition. And it's you know everybody knows that the rental market's tight. Everybody understands that that uh, the housing market is is very tight and and everything. So what we do is we kind of encourage, hey, well, you know, maybe you don't try and manage it all by yourself. What if you partner up and, you know, get some roomies or something like that? And and uh, together, one or two or three roommates and rent a, a house. Get get something that's sizable, that's, that's substantial instead of looking, you know, for uh, always looking for the one-room studio apartments. Uh, one-room studio apartments tend to be in, you know, in neighborhoods that are not always desirable and surrounding yourself back in the kind of the lifestyle that you guys were trying to come out of. And, and so, you know, getting into something that's safe and clean and a nice neighborhood and, 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 and everything, well, they're just, it's a little hard to find. And so the transitional housing and our transitional program kind of buys you a little more time in that process, right? Buys you a little bit more time to continue to save money, continue to, uh, you know, to manage that debt process and, and, you know, come out from a little bit more. And there's a few less restrictions in our transitional program than you'd normally see in a traditional, you know, uh, resident at the mission, right? Right. Yeah. So, um, and we have we have a transitional house, uh, Faith House uh, for women is twelve beds, and and uh, and then the Hope House right now is our first trial in in the. Um, in that process, we acquired that. We leased that uh, from Edgewater Christian Fellowship here in town, um, who've done a great job at uh, you know just blessing us with that and and allowing us to be a part of that. So uh, definitely, a hat, hats off to the, all the folks over at Edgewater for for uh, supporting us and supporting uh, that kind of work going on. What's here. really nice about it is it's making me more self independent. Yeah. I'm doing this on my own. I you know yeah. I'm paying the the transition fee. I'm I'm doing this on my own. I'm able to put money aside. I've got all my bills being taken care of. I'm doing it. Yeah. On my own. Yeah. And so that's what the mission has done. It's given me that step stool to be independent on my own. Yeah. And that's why I like the transition center. Yeah, I, um, it's a, it's amazing, man, and and the work's really great. You know, we we loved going over there and and, and uh, going over there and checking in on the transitional house and seeing like where'd this lawn come from? Well, <laughs> well, Jeff decided to plant a lawn and get it and get it all cleaned up and looking nice and and it looks sharp, man. You did great work, and and uh, you know, again, uh, boy, we just want to continue to see 
God's blessing in your life, continue to see you moving forward. Um, so, you know, if, if you're watching this right now and you're thinking about, uh, you know, the work that we're doing here at the mission, you know, continue to pray for Jeff and, and for his continued success uh, and growth in the Lord as he continues to um, just do that thing that God has called us to do, which is really to flourish. Uh, to yeah, that was his plan all along. Be happy, be joyful, be right? self-sufficient, and and grow in me. You know, and, and through the gospel of Jesus Christ, I have been able to escape my past. I can leave that behind, and I have a blessing in His presence. Now, Jeff. Are you sure that we haven't like just jammed Jesus down your throat a whole bunch here in, in this whole thing? No, this all started before I even came here. This yeah. was just more support in that area by the time I got here. So I found the rules here extremely simple, yeah. extremely basic. And, you know, self being self-taught that you know, have a little self-respect. Yeah. Accountability was a big part in my moving forward from the get-go. I had to be accountable first. Yeah. No more being a victim or poor me. Yeah. Be accountable for what you did, get past it, move on. And so you know, having biblical morals and values and virtue back into my life has made me happier than I've ever been. I have more things than I've ever been. I was like, this is God's plan the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Well, you, you know, I mean, as, as much criticism as we get for being, you know, kind of Bible thumpers and, and whatnot here, the, the truth is, is, man, if 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 you're a, a little old lady walking out of a grocery store and you see a group of guys walking towards you in the, at night, you might be a little nervous, but the minute that you see Bibles in their hands, uh, you're like, oh, you know, they might preach at me, but they're, they're not going to hurt me, right? I mean, we want, we want neighbors and people, people around us uh, who have biblical values in some way. I needed moral and yeah. morals and values in my life. Addiction didn't have that. And yeah. now I'm surrounded by support and people that generally care about me. Addiction didn't have that. It was, what can I get from you? And, you know, I had that same mentality in there, what can I get from you? What are you going to get for me? Right. Because addiction is just surrounded in selfishness, and it's just a short-term fix. It's yeah, not yeah. really getting to the core issue. Well, now what they get from you is hard work and a, and a you know a pleasant spirit and uh, somebody who's both gracious and grateful. Uh, in the way that you interact with them. You're a pleasure to know, and it's been uh, just a joy to walk alongside you and see, see the growth in your life, man. It's, you're one of those guys that reminds all of our staff here why we get up in the morning, why we get up and do the things that we do. So I really appreciate you, brother, and, uh, and you know, we'll, we'll have you back when, uh, when you're you know, off in your own place. You can tell us more about what's going on in the future maybe, and... Uh, We'll keep you in our prayers. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. Well, hey, next we got our ministry spotlights uh, and then our book review and then our verse of the day. So uh, we'll be right back. I'm Sydney Wilder. I'm the Pathway Coordinator at the Pregnancy Care Center here in Grants Pass. Uh, we provide everything from pregnancy tasks to ultrasounds to uh, 22 weeks of parenting classes and we have a baby boutique where our parents are able to get the supplies that they need for their little ones. 
You know, as, as a believer, we um, feel grateful that we have the opportunity to help uh, the Creator with His creations. And it doesn't matter the situation of how these babies have come into the world. We want to embrace them and, and be able to supply and encourage the parents. Um, it's sometimes a difficult situation for them, but we want them to know that they are loved and accepted in a non-judgmental way. Um, for us at the Pregnancy Care Center, we feel like uh, God does most of the heavy lifting. He's the changing in the hearts in the community because by the time someone's got the courage to walk through our door, um, they've already had a lot of changes in their life. We just want to greet them and love on them unconditionally and hopefully be able to help and support them through their pregnancies, their um, deliveries, and be able to encourage them as new parents. Christ calls us to serve those in need, and the need in the Rogue Valley is urgent. We invite you to partner with the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission in our commitment to serve our community. Whether it is working in the kitchen, teaching our residents, or even tending our garden, your unique talents and gifts as a volunteer are key to effectively caring for our homeless population. Explore the many ways you can serve at grantspassmission.org. All right, it is time for terrifying rule of the week. Harsh, harsh rule of the week number nine. Here we go. Scary music. Oh, man. Number nine, there is to be no socializing between members of the opposite sex except at approved mission events. Treat one another as a brother or sister. All intimate relationships other than legal biblical marriage, regardless of gender, either on or off mission property, are strictly forbidden. So, uh, again, this is one that can get a little concerning for folks sometimes because um, our purpose here is really to get people out of homelessness, and we really want that to be the focus. So, as long as that's the focus, we're in good shape. The minute that we, the minute that we deviate from that, uh, we become distracted by that. In addition to that, um, you know, we have seen more times than I can tell you children become the, the, the worst victim of the homeless crisis. And, and that's because um, oftentimes what results in, in these uh, intimate relationships is children. And uh, boy, we just, we just get so tired of seeing uh, children become um, these pawns in this homeless game, and it's it's the stuff that will break your hearts. It's the stuff that will that will leave you awake at night. And so uh, for us, we just go, hey, how about if you're staying with us? All we're going to do is focus not on relationships, but on your uh, getting independent, becoming not homeless anymore. After that, after you leave here and everything, then the, however you want to express yourself in relationships is entirely up to you. Uh, it's not our business. We've done our job because we've got you to where you're not homeless anymore. And that's what we do here at the Gospel Rescue Mission. All right. It is now time for Brian's books, and um, we're going to just close out our thoughts on a failure of nerve, leadership in the age of the quick fix. So by Edwin Friedman, um, I got to tell you, this book has been so helpful for me 
um, because of the clarity that comes from uh, Mr. Friedman's um, approach to looking at whether it's relational issues or societal issues or uh, corporate and organizational issues, looking for the things that um, are not working right as as disease, in, in kind of looking at it in a disease model. And um, when you do that, then you can kind of separate and go, okay, we isolate the disease, strengthen the body, strengthen what's strong, and, uh, and look to figure out how we can uh, cure that disease um, and treat it that way. To talk about it in those terms, to talk about homelessness in those terms, or anything else, frankly, um, any other relational problem uh, problem that you come across really takes sometimes uh, the ability to be blunt, the ability to say things that maybe aren't super tasteful, but they have to be said. And really what that means is it takes a lot of nerve uh, to say the things that we say and to, to do the things that we do. But, you know, when you're, when you're talking to a homeless man or woman who's come in, and um, maybe they've got green hair or something, and, and, and you have to tell them, well, you know, the reason that you're not finding work is because your hair color, and we need to get you to turn it to a regular hair color. And they might say, well, what does anybody have a right to judge me for my hair color? And I say, yeah, I agree with you. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. And, and so the fact that it is, I want to help you. And so let's get your hair straightened out before we can move on to the other things. It takes nerve to talk to somebody that plainly in that more forward way. So, um, and that's the kind of stuff that uh, Dr. Friedman helped me with and helped our organization with in thinking through um, those topics, being able to say things boldly and with strength uh, and uh, with nerve and not looking for a quick fix, but looking to really solve the problem. Okay. Now, what does the Bible say about homelessness? Today, our verse is going to come from Proverbs chapter 26, verse 10. And this one, uh, I just came across Uh, not too long ago, and I really liked it. It says, like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or a drunkard. Okay, now what he's not saying is what the the, uh, proverbial writer uh, is not saying is that a passing fool or a drunkard is like an archer who wounds everyone, but the person who hires them is wounding everybody around them by by hiring a passing fool or a drunkard, and uh, hadn't really considered it. But you know, when you when you think about what does the Bible say about um, about how we deal with people who are broken and they're struggling, well, um, we there's a tendency to want to think that they only that the Bible only says nice things and it only says things about give 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 unconditionally everything unconditionally everything and 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 that's just not what you find in Scripture. Um, it's you know everything is qualified by everything else. Everything that is spoken is qualified by everything else in Scripture. And here's one of those passages: um, it, it, when you hire somebody w- who's just a passing fool or a drunkard, what's happening is you're wounding everybody that that works with you, works for you, 
And everybody that you work for and every, everything that you're objective to do, everything that you do, you're wounding everybody. Um, and for many of them, it's a death blow. Um, what you're doing is you, you, you have the power of crushing everybody around you uh, because you've hired somebody who's a passing fool or a drunkard. Um, what we just saw in, in hearing Jeff Seagrave's testimony is that Jeff had slowly but over time stopped becoming a passing fool. He stopped becoming a drunkard. And, and in that, we were able to qualify him and his work uh, as he was getting ready to get hired by somebody who worked for us. And, uh, and there's a tremendous success going on there. What we've seen time and time again with our residents here at the mission is that they get hired quickly. Um, you know, after about 30 days of, of just let's get them healed up, let's get them, let's get them transitioned, let's get them used to working and get them used to socializing, let's get them sober. Now, boy, they go out and we find, our people find work like nobody's business. I mean, they, they are finding work. Half of our male residents right now and pretty much at any given point in time are, are employed full-time. They are doing really well in, uh, in the community. And, um, and certainly we're finding that as much even among the women that work in, that are staying in our transitional houses and, and people, that, the women that are staying in our women's shelter. Uh, again, there's just a lot of people finding work, getting jobs because they're sober, because they have made them so they've proven themselves worthy. They're not just the passing fool anymore. And uh, now they are somebody worthy of hire. So uh, again, Bible has a lot of good things. Hey, thank you again for joining us for Mission Live. If you liked this, if you followed me this far into it, would you do me the favor of hitting the little subscri subscribe button at the bottom of the page there, uh, particularly if you're watching on YouTube. Um, and then certainly like us, follow us on Facebook as well. Share these videos with your friends. Uh, and, and then uh, please, if there's something that we said that really struck a chord, would you put a note in the comments to us? You know, we love to hear what you think about what's going on uh, in, in the Gospel Rescue Mission here in Grants Pass and maybe what's going on good in your neighborhood uh, that we're not aware of and, and maybe that needs to get some uh, recognition. So again, thank you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next Monday on Mission Live.